or since the creation of the world. God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. July 5th, 2005, Probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of folks, and for a long time it didn't with me. But it just so happened, in 2005, we were on a, a leadership trip with our students. About 30 students had worked months and months to be a part of this leadership event called Ethos. Now, Ethos is what we are advertising at the time as Survivor Collides with Amazing Race. It was awesome. I'm an awesome youth pastor. That's the reason why we had these kind of things, okay? Right? Yeah, you know, you know, you know. July 5th, that day, or the day before, we had been in Casa Grande, 108 degrees. We'd worked with this church, an outreach church there. We'd been outside all day. Man, the heat had gotten to us, and we ended up that night, July 4th, of course, would have been that day, and we were going to watch from the roof of Crossroads Nazarene Church at the corner of Ray and 101 there in Chandler. We were going to watch with these 30 students on the roof. We were going to take them up there and watch the fireworks, and they wanted to go to bed at 9 o'clock, and they did. They were wiped out. We woke them up at 4.30 the next morning. Thank goodness they went to bed early, huh? Our intent that day was to hike Siphon Trail to the top, the superstitions many of you see, and hike up to Flatiron. How many of you have ever hiked Flatiron? It is a phenomenal hike. If you saw that video and you looked at it and you go, that's somewhere in the world, I want to go. Well, it's just an hour away, just so you know. I'd done it many times up to that point, but we decided that day, part of this trip, the students did not know the day they showed up and got in the van on, 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 on July 3rd, they had no clue where they were going. They didn't have an agenda. They didn't know the whole seven days where they were headed. They had a little bag with an ethos. We have a nice ethos bag. Everything that they were going to need was inside of that bag. And they'd get in the van and go when we told them to go. And they'd do what we asked them to do. But what we would do on those leadership trips is one of, one of the things we do on ethos is every morning there is a phrase or a word. And we would give that to them without explanation. We would know what it would mean, but the students wouldn't know what it would mean. We'd build the whole day around that word or phrase. This particular day, July 5th, was no excuse. Based on Romans 120. Based on the fact that they were going to that day, they didn't know this, they were going to go hike superstition up to Flatiron, five and a half miles, round trip, easy enough hike in that sense, mileage-wise, but it's a hard hike. Anybody that's ever done it, it's a hard hike. And you elevate about 27, 2,800 feet, and, 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 and it's, in the, it's hot, and it's going, we're supposed to get out there early, and we didn't. Those students didn't know that day that the reason Ryan no excuse was based on this passage of Scripture because they were going to leave that beautiful setting there on Flatiron, come down from that, go up towards Salt River and, and, and get on Beeline Highway and head towards Payson that day and see the topography and drive through Saworo Forest. And, and, and just the only place in the world they can do that and go up through the topography all the way to Payson and spend the night in Christopher Creek Campground right there and just to be able to sit down in that creek and lay there after a hard day. It was a waning crescent moon night, so there was not really going to be any light, so the stars were going to shine. It was going to be this unbelievable seeing of God's creation. And it actually was, but a couple of things happened that day. We got started late, about an hour and a half late. Not good when it's going to be 111 degrees and you're hiking. What we overestimated was the ability of these teenagers what we underestimated was how much water we would need. Not good. They were grouped into teams. 
families, we called them. Five, six at a time. What these students took from our word that day was no excuse. Every team made it to the top of the mountain, but coming back down was hard. We started being without water. Students started getting dehydrated. We started getting runners running all the way down that trail, running back up. One girl had cut her leg a few days beforehand. I had to carry her basically on my shoulder all the way down Siphon Trail. Ended up, just side note, injuring my hip that day. I remember it clear as everything. And that day was when I had it replaced two years ago, starting from 2005, if, that's, if you understand that. But we, but we had the, the park ranger let us use his ATV to keep running back and forth and running back and forth and getting up to the end of the trail and bringing people back and bringing water. It was not good. It was not good. People were freaking out. But you know who wasn't freaking out? The students. You know why? Somewhere in their head, it got in their head, no excuse. So we're going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to help whoever I need to help. I'm going to share my water. I'm going to do what is amazing what can happen to a group of people when they decide that there is not going to be anything that stops us. They didn't even realize the danger we were in. That night when we debriefed up at Christopher Creek, after setting out under the stars and debriefing, which we do each night, then we tell them what we meant by the word or phrase of the day. They were amazed that it had nothing to do with what they were thinking. (laughs) But they made a decision. No excuse. Amazing things can happen when groups of people begin to sacrifice for the good of everybody with no excuse. Scripture there says the Strong's definition of without excuse means it cannot be defended. Whatever you're about to say, it cannot be defended, so don't say it. 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Many of you know our mission statement here is out of 1.3, but this is tied into it. It says, and Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, because our gospel, the good news, came to you simp- not simply with words. How many of you have ever heard the gospel just as words? The gospel didn't come to you just as words. Oh, but man. It came with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. I think one of the things we're missing so much in our culture today is deep conviction empowered by the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between being convinced and convicted. Convinced of something is this. I'm going to guess some of you in here today are convinced that Jesus is the only way, but you're not convicted of it. Some of us are convinced today that eating really bad and never exercising will never get me in the good health that I want to get. You're convinced of that. You know that doesn't line up, but you still eat bad and you're sedentary, right? We're convinced of it. We know it. I believe the church, if it's not careful, is full of people who have chosen Christ, but they have not chosen to be his disciple. Say it again. The church is full of people who have chosen Christ, but they've chosen not to be his disciple. To be convicted, that's awesome. I better get used to that. Hey, Tori and Bryce, Chandler Hospital, waiting for that little Charlie to get here. Come soon, little Charlie, come soon. 
conviction. Conviction is this. There is a stirring and an awakening in you. There is this bright light that almost, I don't mean that literally, but there is this awakening that happens inside of you and it begins to stir you. And this particular thing, whatever it is, especially when God puts it in your heart, begins to pull you forward. You don't have to drag it. It begins to get you up in the morning and it pulls you forward. This deep conviction empowered by the Holy Spirit. The second thing I believe that happens is you begin to identify what is unacceptable. What you know is not part of where you're headed. You begin to look and you ask yourself, does that fit? You look Not in your physical sense, but you look deep into your soul. Am I doing what I intend to be? Am I deciding that these parts can't work here anymore? Because sometimes in life, We have to figure out what it's not before we figure out what it is. I hope that's not all of your life because it can take you all down bad paths that can steal years of your life if you're not careful. It's just like the other day I had a friend come on campus here. Many of you know and we're about to hopefully get back into doing some things out front here and changing the look of the campus and and if you want to give money for that, that's awesome. But we're going to do some things in the front of the church and put the post out front and those kind of things. But I had a good friend of mine, and we've done a lot of work. If you've only started coming here recently, we've done a ton of work over the last many years, but even over the last year and a half to change the front from the pavers and all that kind of stuff. And this person who used to be a part of this church came on the campus, and uh, he was looking at it and goes, man, the island, you know, he's saying all these good things. Then he asked the question, Kurt, why do you still have this sign sitting out front? He said, it is all beat up. He said, this looks nothing like what you're trying to accomplish. Not because of we have the alarm, not the, the sign. <laughs> it looks nothing like what we're trying to do. And you know how long it took me to take it out of the ground? Oh, about two seconds. Snapped it off. It rusted off, actually. Snapped off. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's big. But I sure appreciate friends who I trust coming along going, that doesn't look anything like what you're trying to accomplish. It doesn't look anything like it. You can have this if you want it. Ask me about it later. Or maybe we frame it as a remembrance of what we're not. Recently, Jan asked me, said, hey, did you see this video on Facebook about this young man in Arkansas and anything about Arkansas? You know me. Shoot, man, let let me see it. And she showed it to me, and I want you to watch it because I think it fits where we are today. WRG's Peter Fleischer profiles this teenager from Manila, Arkansas, who transformed his life to serve our country. From a young age, Manila High School senior Joshua Evers was determined to serve in the military. And once his grandmother introduced him to the idea of West Point Academy, he was hooked. started researching it, and after maybe a couple months of looking at it pretty much nonstop, I was like, okay, this is perfect for me. This is what I need to do. A football player at Manila High, Joshua was a normal, active teenager. But after studying the fitness requirements, he came to a tough realization. I started really like being realistic with myself. Like, okay, I can't do any of this stuff. I have to change something. Determined to make it to West Point, Joshua revamped his exercise and diet regimen. Do you never really realize that you're eating terribly until you start eating correctly. Over the last year, Joshua has lost more than 60 pounds while maintaining good grades. 
It was earlier this month that his dream finally came true, an acceptance letter from West Point. I couldn't believe it. It was just kind of... It's one of those things where it's so surprising. It doesn't really set in what's happened until afterwards. I'm just so excited. Reporting in Manila, Arkansas, Peter Fleischer, WREG News Channel 3. His statement. He's a football player. And he looks at the fitness requirements. He looked himself in the mirror, and what does he say? I started really being realistic with myself, like, okay, I can't do any of this stuff i got to change something. Craig Rochelle said, heard it just the other day, and I hope I'm getting it right. If not, I'm taking this quote for myself. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. The third part, I think, of conviction is you, you engage it. You begin to take the action steps. I said this last summer, we talk about following after Christ and loving God, and I talked about it in the greatest message. Not the greatest message, but the sermon series, the greatest. It wasn't the greatest message, okay? But I defined it this way. To love God with all means to follow him utterly, absolutely, with heart, soul, mind, and strength, in deep conviction, and without any reservation or misunderstanding that you're all in. To love God with all means to follow him utterly, absolutely, with heart, soul, mind, and strength, in deep conviction, without any reservation or misunderstanding that you are all in. When we have no focus, when we have no discipline, when we're left to wander aimlessly, Scripture talks about, I'm like a man fighting and beating the air. I'm wandering aimlessly. I am convinced, honestly, for many of us, that's where depression sets in. It's where sadness and mediocrity sets in. They begin to take hold of our life because we're wandering aimlessly. When you have a plan, you have a direction. See, I believe this with all my heart. We were designed for a purpose. You're not here by chance. You're here for a purpose. And nobody else can fulfill your purpose. That's the reason all of us have got to step up. We need you. We need you as much as you need it. We need you. So the question today is, who am I and what do I want to be? Who am I and what do I want to be? I appreciate the word yet. The word yet is a word that if somebody asks you, did you do so-and-so? Yeah, I hadn't got to it yet. Did you clean your room? I hadn't got to it yet. Have you lost that weight? Well, I hadn't got to that yet. Did you ever start that? Well, I hadn't got to that yet. You know, sometimes the yet is like dismissive and it's discouraging and it's, yeah, I hadn't got to that yet. But then there's like Joshua Evers who looked himself in the mirror and said, I'm not that yet. The whole thing is about transformation. I am transformed and I am being transformed. Sometimes you may say to me, Kurt, you're not what you should be. And I'd say, I'm not yet, but I am going to be. Not yet. I don't see. I don't see a West Point uh, a, a, a grad there. I don't see that yet. I don't see the leader I want to be yet. 
Well, I hadn't gotten around to that yet. Yeah, I'm, I've been a dad for 35 years. I, had, I hadn't got around to really making that a serious thing yet. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't got to it. No. I'm flawed. But my intention, we'll talk about it here in just a second. And my hope and goal in my life. Obviously, it's Christ-likeness, and I think when I'm Christ-likeness, I can become the leader I would want to follow. So how do we get there? Glad you asked. First one is this, I think we offer or surrender. Romans 12, 1 and 2 from the NIV, and I'm going to read both of them here. Romans 1 and 2 from the NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing, that offer, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, living. Now, I said last week, I think the average of 13 Christians per day die in the world martyred for their faith. That's not what I'm talking about, even though in parts of the world that is true. But sometimes, now I make sure you understand what I'm saying, sometimes it might be easier to die for Christ than it is to live for him. I choose Christ, but I don't choose to be his disciple. I choose Christ, but I don't choose to, I choose Christ, but I'm not going to live as if my kids get me and Jesus confused sometime at the house. Finish it here real quick, and I know we got it going. This is your, t- offer yourself holy and pleasing unto God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to retest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 1 and 2 from the message, which we've been reading for this whole series, mirror series, and we are planning on closing that out today. And everybody said, amen, okay? So here's what, there you go. Here, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you to offer. Some say, well, Kurt, how great how great's the sacrifice? How great's your vision? How great's the sacrifice? How great a father do you want to be? How great's the sacrifice? And your community, how, 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 how big a part of the community? How great, how great a sacrifice? How great a husband do you want to be? Uh, how great the sacrifice? How great a sibling do I want to be? How great the sacrifice? How great of a child do I want to be? How great is what the question is? How great a sacrifice? How great's the vision? And I want to apologize to some of you. This is your first Sunday here. I've been building up to this for eight weeks. So it's been vented up. We're glad you're here. If your main goal in life is comfort, then I'm not sure how to answer this question for you. How great the sacrifice. If that's your main goal. For some of you, your offer needs to be salvation. For some of you, it needs to be consecration. In other words, you just need to give him everything. Some of you, you just need to accept him as Savior. For some of you, it's baptism. I've had people ask me before, well, Kurt, if I've been baptized before, should I be baptized again? And we don't believe in, in the Church of the Nazarene or through our, you know, in, in our belief that you need to be rebaptized. But I do ask the question, what did it mean when you got baptized the first time? And what would it mean today? Because it's always been easier to talk about offering yourself. than to do it. Very few people in the world are offering anything worth fighting for. 
most people are trying to offer us, unless they're trying to scare us to buy something, they're offering us leisure, easier. And I'll be honest with you. I've allowed that to creep into my mind, but I don't believe that's what we're here for. Oh, rest, margin, sure. Stress that we don't need, sure. But a lot of that's brought on on our own. I I want to have a life that I know when it's all said and done, my goal was not leisure. My goal was impact. Not long-term leisure, but long-term impact. And you want to surround yourself with people like that because they encourage you. They, they bring you along. And what, what you also find out when you surround yourself with that, you don't, one thing I don't want to do someday is get in the foxhole and find out I'm surrounded by a bunch of pacifists. When there's a fight, I don't mean physical, but a fight for our country, a fight for your family. I don't want to be surrounded by people who have been, their goal has been leisure all along. But impact. And for some of you, surrendering will seem like death. And guess what? It feels like death. And let me tell you why. Because there is a nature that we preached on a few weeks ago that's warring against you ever following after Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the nature you're born with. It's the Adamic nature. Adam nature is warring against that. You're, bent, you're born with a bent away, and the Holy Spirit's trying to bend it straight back up to walk in step with him. And there is a war. But surrendering holds the keys to experiencing the resurrected life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10. Living life abundantly. For many of you, you look around here sometimes, you think we're a little weird when we have both hands up raised. You know what that stands for for most of us? Surrender. Looks a little strange, and I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. But I think we all have to come to that point of surrender. Second thing is, identify the unacceptable. Identify the unacceptable. Let's be honest. The status quo is there because we've accepted it. We all took an honest look, and this includes this pastor for sure, and I hope I'm not only your pastor, your friend, but I am in your brother, and I'm in this with you. But if I took a list and took the time to list the things that cap- capture my attention, that distract me, and I think for all of us, there's going to be a point, if we just really did that, there'd be a moment where we're likely going to say, what am I doing Because the question really isn't, what am I going to do five years from now or two months from now? The question is, what am I going to do now? We say things so much about out there when right now is all we're guaranteed. One, I'm not trying to make this like, like scary. I don't mean it that way. But the reality is, we talk so much about the future, but when the future gets here, it's now, right? Then we start talking about more future. How many things are you going to keep talking about out there? Change is hard because it requires action. It requires us to get rid of excuses. It requires us to rearrange our life, maybe our finances, maybe our schedule, whatever that is. Change is hard because it disrupts our daily routine that we've gotten so accustomed to that we don't want anything else. And we talked about it last week with Lent. It is disrupting and getting us ready for the resurrection, getting us properly pointed towards that way. You don't have to do it that way, but I am going to say the month of March, I hope you are disrupted a little bit. I hope and pray for your whole life. That God disrupts it so you'll get the most out of it.
And many of you are saying, what other church can we go to? Because if that, prayer, that pastor is praying for me that, I don't want that. Because I believe your greatest days is when you sacrifice for others and sacrifice in the name of Christ because in that moment you're more like Christ. And when you're good to others, what? You're always best to yourself. When COVID began, I'm so thankful that we fell to our values. You know, there are, often we say, well, in, in crisis, you rise up. No, what really happens is you, you fall to what you disciplined on and what your values were. You really don't rise up, you fall to. You fall to your training, you fall to what you've put in place, you fall to what's already there. The first five months, that was great. But I'll tell you, the last six, seven months, it kind of been a wilderness time, kind of been a little no man's land. Oh, we knew what to do in the middle of the crisis. Now it's kind of like, well, wait, wait, I don't really know. And one of the tough parts is we got disrupted big time. I mean, I think it's hard to imagine. I made a list, and I'm not going to go through it because it's too long. But there are 20 at least 20 things that got significantly disrupted as a church. At least 20. Not counting your own personal life. I'm not even talking about that. I'm not even talking about your own personal everything else and whatever happened. I'm talking about directly, specifically with us as a church, at least 20 things. Some of them canceled, canceled. I love saying that. Canceled. <laughs> Youth camps canceled. Mission trips canceled. Retreats canceled. Canceled. So many things canceled or do it a different way or, oh, this next week, oh, yeah, I know you didn't have it before. Next week, you're going to have to go live stream and you're going to have to stare at a little smiley face right there. And nobody else in the room. You got to figure out where to go get the money. Thank goodness we didn't have that here. But the disconnection, no dinner on the grounds. No IGN groups. We got some cool stuff that goes on here at Renovation. Those who had not been here, if you've been here less than a year, we really actually have some cool stuff that goes on here that would be unusual for any other church. I'm not saying that because, hey, look at us. I'm just saying it just is. It's part of who we are. Canceled. <laughs> but we survived. But there's a difference between just surviving and thriving. It's time to thrive. Time to advance. With all the changes that have happened, though, in this last year, I'll tell you one thing that didn't change was our destination. Never changed. Never. When you already know what your destination is, all this other stuff can happen, and you go back to the thing going, I keep got to get my head up here because there's the destination. But when you're meandering in life, Crisis hits. It doesn't even have to be a big crisis. I mean, when I walked in here last year, I'm, I, I, this, this, again, I know I'm going long. Last year I walked in here. I preached more in 2020 and since then than I've ever preached in any year in my life. And most weeks I walked in here. I, I, I wouldn't have told you then. I wasn't sure, sure I'd heard from God. That's concerning, right? Concerning for you. It's a little more concerning for me because I'm about to walk up here. There are times I don't know that I hear from God. But what I do know is if I keep moving forward, He's going to show up. There were weeks I didn't know if I was going to hear from God till I was standing behind this pulpit. But I kept walking across that stage. Kept doing my stretching exercise. That got me ready. I know y'all appreciate that when we're the only people in the room. 
All I do is keep showing up. And if I had worried about the abundance of caution, you wouldn't have got any sermons. And I wouldn't have fulfilled what I was supposed to do week after week. What if out of the abundance of one thing, it is costing me and others the abundance of something else? Ultimately, the abundant life. Leads me to the last one. Decisive intent. You have to decide. I think, again, one of the biggest things over the last year was having to make decisions without really having not only enough information, conflicting information. Mask, no mask. When we start back up. RSVP, not RSVP. You know, congregate, not congregate. Shake hands, don't bump, bump, bump. What, what, uh, uh. We all have decision fatigue, right? I mean, we really all have it. But in, I know in my position, I, I was just wore out, but somebody had to make a decision. One of the things I think was so disruptive in the last year was we had people who were empowered not making clear decisions, conflicting decisions, hypocritical decisions. In crisis, you can't have that. The leaders have got to be ready then to step in and fall to their training. But what I felt like, people were trying to step up to their something, and that's the reason why we got what I just repeated, what I just said, conflicting, different agendas. Man, we just needed people to lead. Decisive. Because the reality is, if you're wanting 100% of surety, I'll tell you this. You'll probably never move and do anything great. You just won't. You'll never get married. Never have kids. You'll never take that job. You'll never take that trip. You'll never, you'll just be afraid. I believe decisiveness brings power. Clarity brings courage. I don't know if there's anything more inspiring than a person who has clarity of their commitment and where they're headed with God. You wonder why we've always gone to Arkansas and why we've always been telling you the story about Brother Paul Sr. Because I'll tell you, and in junior too, the reason why we've done that all these years, because there's nothing more inspiring than to be around people who know where they're going, know who they are, and they're committed to give everything to God. And it's hard to find, so I just keep, I keep bringing you, brought you guys to the same place over and over. Decisiveness. When I married Jan... I said yes to her and no to three billion women in the world. And I know they were disappointed. I don't know how many women there are in the world. But, but I had to decide that, right? It wasn't like, I'm going to marry Jan, but I'll kind of, I'm convinced of it, but I'm not convicted of it. I still, my mind could be changed somewhere along the way by somebody else. Congratulations, Heath and Sydney, and your engagement. Shout out. Last night, yesterday, between marriages and babies, and, and uh, glad they're going in that order. And uh, it's been awesome. This year has been awesome. Potential cannot be realized in the company of indecisiveness. Potential cannot be realized in the company of indecisiveness. That's the reason why marriage is such a beautiful thing. Because once you commit, there are things you won't know. And I know I talk about marriage. I know not everybody's married or wants to be married. 
But one of the things about it is once that commitment happens and it's done in the, in the, under the heading and, and, and umbrella of what God wants, there's something that can happen there that can't happen until that happens. The last thing I'm going to say, and you'll see it on your card, is the word fan. A fan is a person who loves you but is not impressed by you. Who always has your best interest at heart. We have to be careful who these people are. Oh, I've got a buddy who'll do it. No, I'm not talking about that buddy. I'm talking about somebody that defined that put that back up there if you wouldn't mind, John. I'm not sure I have more than five, maybe seven in my life. I know a lot of people that I would allow to speak into my life to speak truth into my life. I don't know if we have the wise fool evil slide, I, I, you know, but we always have to realize, when, would you allow someone to speak truth into your life? Would you respond wisely? Would you? I'm not talking about critics. I'm talking about fans. That you can note, that you will say yes. I will allow that person to speak into my life. What you're going to commit to them is, is that you're not messing around anymore. With deep conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to try to start moving forward. I mentioned to you last week about my February 12, 2000, February 17, 2012, one of the darkest days of my soul, coming down Usury Mountain. I won't get into telling you all the story, but one of the things that's happening is I was running down Wind Cave Trail. I was coming down Wind Cave Trail, and many of you who know me know that I loved running for years and years and years. I know I'm not built like a runner, but I loved it anyway. But one of my favorite things to do is trail running. I absolutely love trail running, maybe above anything else besides basketball and baseball that I love, but trail running. Just the reason why I think I love it is because of the decisions you have to make. You can't be looking around. You can't be distracted. You can't be looking at anything else. You've got to be looking right there at that next rock, that next piece of dirt, whatever it is, or you may break your ankle or break a leg, or you may trip, hit your head, and die. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's, that could happen. And I love doing that. I love that decision. You just happen to make those in a moment, and you just happen to... But many years ago, you know, my hip hurt my hip, and that got less and less where I could do that. I had to quit running altogether. It's almost like I, I've told Janice before. It's like I lost my best friend, one of my best friends, because that's where I talked to God. I mean, my, my prayer time was phenomenal there. It, 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 I tell you, it's hurt a little bit since those years. I mean, I don't pray, but, man, there was a time I could pray out there and, and run, and whether there's trail running or running on the streets. And I remember running on the streets, and I don't know if you've ever done this, if you've been a runner, you, you, you're, you're running maybe three, four, five, six miles, and, and you go, man, I can't go any further, but if I can just make it to that corner, and you get to that corner, and then you go, I'm, I can make it to that corner. But you go a little piece at a time, but I love running them. So that... February 17, 2012, I'm running down that Wind Cave Trail, uh, which you can see kind of right up the top right, far right, and then you come down to the middle. And, and I'm running it, and, man, it's feeling good. I hadn't done it in years. And, man, I'm running along, and I'm praying, and I'm just thinking. And I, I, all of a sudden, this thought came into my head out of nowhere. And I'm saying, God, man, this is what I was telling him. I was saying, I was saying God, one of the things I love is, is you and I having this time together. And God, you know my hip is hurt, and I need to, they're saying I need to get it replaced There's somewhere along the way. But if you would just heal it, you and I could spend more time together. You ever pray to God? I really, that's what I, that was the conversation. You and I would be better buds if you, if you had just healed my hip. And I'm running, and man, I'm enjoying it. And all of a sudden, through my, into my mind comes this date. Remember July 5th. 2005. I had not thought of that, had not come across my mind. I had no reason to think about it. I'm going to tell you the 24 to 36 hours before that, there was no reason to even think about this. It was not there. All of a sudden, July 5th, 2005. Remember July 5th, 2005. And I'm running going, well, yeah, I remember that. I know exactly where I was. And the next thing, as clear as you and I would talk right now, the Holy Spirit impressed on my mind. Remember the phrase for the day? Yeah, I do. No excuse. From that moment, I knew if everything fell, we were coming to Biltmore Church in the Nazareth. 
which ultimately becomes DBA renovation. Easy to make excuses. You can make excuses or you can make progress. Or what? Can't do both. You can't do both. You can seek a life of leisure or courage, but you can't do both. I want to live a life in such a way that I tell Christ it was worth what you gave for me. I will thank him by living as I should. I think it's Psalm 119.6. I will thank him by living as I should. If it's not Psalm 119.6, it's just a good quote, so give me credit. But I think that's where it is. But in all seriousness, I'm going to ask you today. You've got this card. And if you're able whether you're at home, and thank you guys for one thing we've learned over this last year. We've got a further reach now. I'm so thankful for that. But if you're at home, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing if you're able. I'm going to ask everyone in here to stand. Please have your card out, a pen. Maybe it's going to be easier to write something down otherwise. And maybe it's not right now you write it down, but I think it might be. I'm going to ask you to do this. I want you to step as far back in your seat with your calves or the back of your legs touching the seat. And here's the four things that I'm going to ask you about. John, I don't know if we've got that on the screen there. One is... What do I need to offer or surrender? What do I need to offer or surrender? For some, it may be salvation. Some, it may be consecration, laying your life down, giving him everything. For some, it may be baptism. You've given your life to Christ, but now it's time to go public with it. It's time to make, there is something about going public. I don't mean social media. Please hear me. Please don't go post, and I don't mean it because there's something wrong with it. Just that's not what I'm talking about. There's something about power when you go public. That's the reason why we got fan on here. But to offer or surrender. For some of you, it may be identify the unacceptable. The word I put on mine was distractions. Next to that, I will put later on, and the commitment I'm going to start making tomorrow, is I watch way too much news. In too many different formats. Way too much. Not only does it stoke fear, if you're not careful, but it's just a distraction about most things I can't do anything about. So personally, for some of you, it may just be watching videos. It it may be, I don't know what it may be, but there's distractions that when you look at them, they don't line up. They don't, they're, they're like the, bond alarm sign. It just doesn't make sense with what you say. And it's unacceptable. And the last one is a decisive intent. And I think that is that looking in the mirror as I said, I want to become the leader I would want to follow. We're all leaders. We're all influencers. So I'm going to give you a second. Just sign. I'm just going to sing one course. It'll be short, I guess. And the other one is, as you're giving you a moment, who would you give this to or show it to or make a copy of to say, help me see what I can't see. Help me stay accountable to this. And the reason why I made it in nice cardstock is I want you to be able to put it up somewhere. Whether tape it on your mirror Put it on your dashboard. But starting March 1st, tomorrow, through the month of March, leading to Easter, what would I be willing to commit to? I'm going to pray for us. Like I said, I know we're going a few minutes long, but I think we're okay. 
Let me pray for us. Lord, help us right now across this room. Across this valley, maybe across this country. To be able to say, Lord, it's all yours. Romans 12, 1 and 2 from the message, everyday life we offer. For some, it may be their finances. For some, it may be their relationships. For some, it may be their life in salvation, Lord, right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray over them. that They would tell someone, maybe even one of us pastors, that they would love to pray. But maybe it's just laying it all down. Maybe it's a next step in baptism. Maybe they're going to tell somebody. And Lord, your Holy Spirit has a tendency to show us what doesn't fit. Not to condemn us, but to give us freedom. Our very liberties have imprisoned us many times. Lord, help us to find a direction and remove the distractions. And lastly, Lord, It may be for some, I have decided, and this is where I'm headed with great intent. And they are going to begin to engage those steps. I pray that they would know what friends are, Lord, and help them in that. But right now, Lord, help us as we just sing for a few minutes before we close. To use this month of March, that in many ways last year flipped our world upside down. We're going to take March back to flip our upside world upside down for you. Help us as we advance in Jesus' name.